What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast, a video game show where we talk about games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. I am one of your hosts, Jared Wilson, joined across the power of the internet by Rachel Mogan. Bonjourno. Bonjourno to you as well. How are you this fine day? I'm doing it decently well. It was only 91 in Texas yesterday, which was felt very great. exciting. It felt we amazing. actually got to go outside. It was pretty nice. Oh, yeah. And we've got that like nice little thunderstorm to start off the day and everything, too. Yeah. Although- oh, gosh. Who doesn't? Is there anything better in the world than a weekend morning thunderstorm? I woke it's up. It's the best. It really is. Because I woke up and I was just like, oh, guess I'm going to be playing some games today. I just wish it would have started maybe just like a little bit later because then Fender wouldn't have been freaking out and like woke us up by walking all over us because poor Fender. Unfortunately, though, (laughs) he didn't like freak out in this storm as much as he has in past ones. So lately. So that was nice that we were able to get him calmed down and everything to be able to enjoy it. But yeah, so it was just a good, calm day of playing some great games and everything, which is what we're here to talk to you about today. But we'll get to those in just a second. But you can subscribe to this show on podcast services around the World Wide Web, as well as watch a video version of each episode over on our YouTube channel. Links for all that are in the description below. Find us on social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can also join our Discord server, where we have a lot of fun conversations about games and other gaming topics when we're not here recording the show. And so uh, hit us up there. That's a lot of fun to hang out there on that community. And also you can support the show through Patreon.com. If you're looking to, if you're like, man, this show is great. I love Jarrett and Mogan. They talk some, they spit some great video game facts and great video game knowledge. And I just want to help them make that show bigger and better. Well, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash team chat podcast, where it's for as little as a dollar a day, dollar a day, a dollar a month. You can support the oh, show. A dollar a I mean, day. if you want to do it's a dollar a day, a day. <laughs> yeah, if you want to do a dollar a day, we won't stop you. But uh, if for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show. And in return, we'll give you cool perks like getting the episodes early before the general Tuesday release, access to a patron only channel on our Discord server, and a lot of other fun goodies and bits of video game fun that we like to intersperse sure. here and there. I didn't say I didn't say I didn't say the one you like you don't like. I caught myself. But oh boy. <laughs> but patreon.com slash team chat podcast. If you can't do that, that's no big deal at all. We totally understand, but we still appreciate your support and helping the making the show bigger and better by just listening to the show, telling your friends, writing us reviews, all that great stuff helps us out as well. And we appreciate each and every one of our patrons and listeners heart heart emojis. But before we get into the big topic of the day, let's get a a little bit of news and what's coming out soon in our moment with Mogan. You say a little bit, but as it turns out, the end of August is almost just as packed with games as the beginning of August was. So I guess just home stretch in summer, every developer under the sun is wanting to get their game out. Uh, So all the following are coming out on August 25th. Descenders for PlayStation 4. Insurgency Sandstorm for PS4 and Xbox One. No Straight Roads for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Street Power Soccer for PlayStation 1, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Vader Immortal for Uh, PlayStation VR. Fascinating. I want that just Uh, for... It looks so cool. (laughs) VR lightsabers. There's already... That's Beat Saber. They already have VR lightsabers. I want Beat Saber too. I want both. So on August 27th, we have Best Friend Forever on Switch and PC, which I feel like just reading that title could either go the route of being very sincere, like BFF type of friendship game, mm-hmm. or like the twisted alternative of like Best Friends Forever, and maybe it's like a mystery crime thriller Ooh. or something. 
Who knows? Uh, on August 27th as well, this one's actually really near and dear to both of us. Control. The AWE DLC comes out. So nice. this will be the final DLC pack for Control. It was uh, the one that came out previously to this was Foundation or The Foundation. Um, so this will be the last one. I can't wait to pick up both. I was waiting for AWE to come out so that I could get both Foundation and AWE and just play them seamlessly. Yep. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, this is one that I know at least one of our listeners is really attached to. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition is finally coming out for PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch on August 27th as well. Uh, this next one is one of the ones that was teased in the Indie Direct that we talked about last time. Hypnospace Outlaw for PlayStation oh, yeah. 4, Xbox One, and Switch. Very excited about that. Uh, Still Stand for PC, iOS, and Android. And mobile gets one. <laughs> That's on August 27th. So is Surgeon Simulator 2 for PC. There's also Tell Me Why for Xbox One and PC. Oh. Tour de France 2020. For wait, tell me why. That's is that the, the one episodic that... one. The the oh my god, the new don't right. I forgot that is was that coming out. Correct? Is tell that me, really I believe coming so. out that soon? I'm pretty sure it is. But I mean, we, we're not playing it until episode five's released. Also, I didn't realize that it was only <laughs> going to be for Xbox One and PC. Is that correct? Maybe the PS4. Man, that's confusing. I thought right, it was for I'll, everything. We'll, 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 I'll check that out real yeah, quick. Yeah, we'll double check on that. That's weird. Um, anyways, Tour de France 2020, the game everybody was waiting for, am I right? Uh, is also out for PC. Captain Tsubasa, Rise of New Champions for PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC comes out on August 28th. So does Jump Force for the Switch. Uh, so I believe that this is a port, but Jump Force, I think, is a pretty adored indie game if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Madden NFL 21, a scam and you shouldn't buy it. Don't buy into sports games. <laughs> that, comes out for, uh, that comes out for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC. Nexamon Extinction for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Project Cars 3 for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Shing? S-H-I-N-G? No idea what that is, but that's for PS4, Switch, and PC. Wasteland 3, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Windbound comes out for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. And then Descenders gets a final, like, month port. So it comes out for PS4 today on August 25th. And then it's also making its way to the Switch on August 34th. So Descenders gets two in one month. And nice. good God, that's everything coming out in the last was part of August. That Jesus, was a big the list, list right is there. So long. <laughs> So I went and looked, and yeah, uh, Tell Me Why is going to be exclusive for Xbox One and Microsoft Windows. That's actually very shocking. I'm not perturbed, obviously, because I was going to wait for a thousand years anyways, but I hope that eventually it makes it to PS4. Yeah, I assume it I will. Thought, I, I mean, I guess I just totally glanced over that, that they showed it off at the Xbox Game Showcase, but, yeah. don't, but I was just so used to seeing Don't Nod stuff be for both that I didn't even, it didn't yeah, even cross didn't my mind. Yeah, I didn't think about it either. Well, but um, there we go. But it's only supposed to be three Xbox. episodes, so we'll only have to wait maybe a year oh boy <laughs> <laughs> i did say though they were planning i when what i was looking at was saying they were planning to release the the three episodes throughout mid 2020 so maybe they'll all still come out this year so, okay that would be which exciting. would be better would be better that for would a faster be release better. window that is better yeah 
All right. Well, we'll, we'll take what we can get. <laughs> exactly. So for the main topic today, we are bringing, we talked about this in our live, in our live episode last week, which thanks for coming out and enjoying that with us, everybody. That was a ton of fun getting to talk about a wide those. range of, of gaming topics. But the, of course the games, the big thing that we were super excited about in that live episode was the Nintendo indie world that direct that happened where it showed off a ton of great games. And Mogan and I both snatched up one of the games. Well, we each snatched up a different game that was shown off there that were released the day of that uh, Indie World Direct. So Mogan got Spiritfarer, and she'll be talking about that in a second. I picked up, though, Raji, an ancient epic. And so we're going to give our first impressions of both of these games because while we'll, and then once we finish them, we'll circle back around and do some big full-on reviews for them all. But uh, yeah, both of these games... what we're planning to do is we're both going to, like, then buy the other game. So I'm then going to get Raji and Jared's going to get Spirit Fair. So we're both going to have played both of them mm-hmm. for our final reviews, which because is always a fun time. Fun time. And because both of these games, I felt like hits like hit a special chord with both of us. So I think we yeah. both of those games, we were very interested in being like, okay, we both need to play these and we both need to see what these are about. So exactly. they, they all looked great. And they've both been getting incredible acclaim already from people who play them in reviews coming out. But so uh, starting off with them with Raji and ancient epic is developed by nodding head games published by super.com or super.com limited and was designed by Avishal Singh. And so what's very, uh, what immediately attracted me to this game is that it is set and based on ancient, ancient India and ancient Indian uh, lore and mythology and just a world that, has not been exper- has not been explored much in video games and one that I have not played I can't think off the top of my head unless I'm forgetting something not counting like Civilization 6 where I can play as as India but a game t- I can't think of another game that I've played that takes place in India especially in ancient I can't think of one either and, and so that's cr- that's wild when you think about how many people live in India. Like by population right. proportion, there should be so many more video games set in India. Right. So it's crazy that neither of us can think of any <laughs> except for Raji. And Shame so on us. <laughs> well, but I mean, but so that's what I think has made this game. It made me be like. I want to play this. And then also what now that I am playing it, it's so fun because not only is it just being so far a great game, there's my first impressions already, but still, it, I'm sorry. I just got too excited, but it's not only that it's also been a very educational experience because as you go throughout this game, you get, th- this is what's really fun about this. So let me, well, okay, I'm going to jump too far ahead. I'm getting too excited about myself. Let me pull it back and give you a little background about what this game is. So you play as Raji. So the game is Raji and ancient Epic. You play as the titular character, Raji, who is this young girl who she and her brother are both circus performers in. And then they're just so happen to be at the place when this demonic invasion takes place into the human world. And her brother Golu is taken by the demons. And so she's immediately like, I got to go rescue him. What's up? So, because this is obviously bad, they're destroying everything, killing a lot of people. And, but they, the demons are rounding up, not just Golu, but all of like the children of this village and taking them in carts to somewhere else where that is. I don't know yet. I haven't got that far. I'm just still trying to like slowly through progress throughout the world and chase these carts of kids. I'm going to go on ahead and throw out a conspiracy theory, even though I know you're probably going to answer it later, but I don't care. I think that this is the setup to chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Did, do you remember? Like, oh, they take all the- <laughs> yeah. yeah, who could forget so Chitty Chitty exactly Bang Bang? Because that kid collector is the creepiest person. The, the child catcher. I the think child he's called catcher. Like, the child catcher. Yeah, Good that heavens. dude is creepy as hell. 
He's I like mean, greasy long hair like that like penguin esque. Yeah, for real. Ugh. For real. So yeah, I definitely know what's happening. Um, but so you then go on this big quest aided by the gods to help destroy this demonic invasion. And so what's really interesting though about this game is it is you have like you hear Raji speak and you and talk and say like you know t- calling after her brother Golu and trying to ca- catch him and like you know telling the demons like after you fight demons and destroy them and you're like I'll do this to the same to everyone who stands in my way but what's great is the story of Raji and even their like understanding of her is all narrated by the gods Ooh, interesting so this is actual like vocals vocal right? narration it's not text. Word and not just kind of like Text you know, bubbles. Because there's voice acting that is just the sporadic, like, noise, mm-hmm. like a hey or a hmm. Yeah, no, and it's, it's fully acted. Act. It's fully acted, fully voiced, everything. That's and awesome. I mean, obviously, there are subtitles, but it's not like text pop-ups that are then read or something like that. It's, and so that's been really cool to see, especially in just like a, a 3D platformer like this, which how this one is, is it is a 3D platformer, but it's more of an isometric one. So it's more of the top down rather than the straight behind the third person view or even like the straight 2d 3d kind of thing but what's great about it is that it's so smooth like you don't have any control over the camera the camera moves dependent on where you reach in the levels but it's but i've never once have i run to a place where i'm like the camera is screwing me up right now i can't see what i'm trying to do it's like blocking me it's hard to encumbersome to work around it's incredibly smooth and incredibly well done everything about this game so far is incredibly well done the the, like the animations of raji as she moves around and jumps around and attacks and dodges leaps and bounds all of it is so well done that the design of the demons themselves are great too very they look very goblin-esque and there's lots of different kinds and just all obviously influenced by Indian folklore and or Indian mythology and lore. And it's just it's just such a fresh world. It feels so vibrant and it feels so just educational even because you're getting as you progress through this world, you will come across these big murals that will then as you come to them and you activate them, the gods will like describe to you what's going on in this because the main person, the main god who helps you. In the beginning stages of this is Durga, who was who gives you the your main weapon, the trishul, which is kind of a trident spear. Ooh, and so you who go. Who doesn't love a trident, man? man? That is not a used enough weapon. More tridents, twenty twenty one. Right, and so it's a really cool because then immediately you go into and it has these really easy to follow tutorials of how to use all of your different abilities. But see, here's where I think the game with that it, that presents you the character of Raji, because you're kind of like. Wait, this is a young girl. How is she immediately given this gift of this trident and this weapon, this mighty spear? But then how is she able to fight so well? But then do you remember she's a circus performer who who highlights in like tightrope walking and like other acrobatics and everything. So you that is how Raji moves. You hit the you hit B to do your dodging and rolling and she does it as an acrobat would. So it's very smooth flipping awesome. all around. But the thing is as you time her jumps with her attacks, you will do different and better, more powerful attacks. So there's a lot of, of really good timing that you have to work into. The other part about this though, that's really awesome is that a lot of places where you will battle demons because it is normally like you'll fight in like one area, one room that's then like has, you know, like where the barrier comes up, you can't leave until after you've defeated all the enemies. That stuff happens a lot. That's usually where you fight them. But in those points, there will be say like a pillar 
or something in the middle of the room. You can run over to that, run up it, pushing B, do a backflip off and do like big attacks and everything. You can hit everything has every attack button is modified by the inner, the environmental thing that you interact with. So like say, uh, a, which is usually the button you press to do like a final execution after you've injured a demon enough. If you say run up to the same pillar and hit a, when you get to it, instead of running up it with B, you will then do like a big stunning attack that just swing. She like grabs the pillar and swings and swings around it and does this big, massive sweeping attack. It's so cool. And so it's just all of these different, how much fluidity there is to the combat, how much fluidity there is to the movement just really feels fresh. And it just feels so fun, especially in this more isometric top down view that you've got, but there's a a ton of other things that you can do. Uh, your spear becomes throwable if you held L to, if you hold uh, the left bumper and or left trigger, sorry, and then you can throw it and it does damaging attacks. You can eventually, where I've gotten not to be too spoiler because I'm not going to talk about a whole lot of spoiler stuff, but you do eventually get a bow also, which you can then switch in between using the spear and the bow. And again, the bow's attacks can be the bow can be a melee weapon, the bow can be a ranged weapon, and so the same thing though it has different moves based off of what the environmental things you interact with, and so. It just makes, I've saved so many fights, video clips of my fights, because it's been so fun to mess around and see all the different ways that you can pull off some really impressive and beautifully animated attacks. It's so cool and it's so fun to see. And so you're going through and you're, as you're continuing on and fighting these demons every once in a while, you will get to cutscenes and, and everything in the story, which then I think is really great in how they present these because those, while the rest of the world is 3d, the cutscenes then become basically what I would say are 2d paper, uh, like, it's like marionettes almost like silhouettes of marionettes. Oh. Cause like they have, you see like strings like attaching like to from, their arms and stuff like from the sixth Harry Potter movie where they're talking about like the three brothers. Okay. Right? I'm going to, I'm going to really lose some cred here, but oh, I, haven't no, seen, Jared. I haven't seen that. Oh my God. No, I'm Jared. sorry. So okay, I don't know. Which I, but still it's <laughs> like, kidding. so it's basically, it's just like, it's like silhouette puppets, but they're like marionettes. Cause they have like, uh, like the, um, like dowel rods that are being connected to yeah. their arms oh, kind of thing. So it's like, they're being operated from below, not above. I gotcha. And so that's how all of the cutscenes are, are like these, these 2d uh, paper animation looking puppet show ask things. And so it's like, you know, if a, if someone turns their head, it like, picks up and like flips perspective of the, of the head or something like that. And so it's very, it's a very unique way of separating from the cutscene to the story rather than the cutscenes just being these fully, these fully animated things. It just, it really gives you that second to take you out of it, be in the story for a second, and then you get back into the, into the combat and the, and the exploration. Um, you can then can go through. And so obviously once you kill demons and things like that, while you're fighting them, you'll lose health. I mean, you'll, you'll gain health after defeating enemies and things like that, which I also like how they show the health bar. Cause the health bars for Raji is like, uh, the, the petals of a flower, uh, beneath her and you'll, you'll oh, lose those and stuff like that. Hell yeah. And so it who looks, doesn't, who doesn't love a fresh new health bar, right? Instead awesome. of just being a bar up in the top of the screen or something like that, it's just under, under her, under her character. And as you kill other uh, demons and things like that, you'll be able to refill your health. Yeah. And then too, once you get, there's executions and different executions 
once you get them low enough in health, different executions for different demon types and different demon types based on which weapon you're using. So there's a lot of depth to this and a lot of cool things to see, which just makes it so exciting and you get so sucked in to all the action. Plus, there's some other great platforming things like there's wall running. Who doesn't love wall running and having to figure out the timing of that running literally everyone. It's so fun to do. It's such a great mechanic. And so that's, what's so great about this though, is it just is, but that's what I can't get over. And I'm going to say this again. And I know I've already said it again, how fluid and smooth this game feels. That is the thing that instantly has attracted me to it. But then, yeah, go question. So even on the switch, you know, the switch isn't an especially powerful console by mm-hmm. any means, but even with it being on the somewhat limited tech specs of the switch, there's no stuttering. You don't find any lag. I've been playing Excellent. handheld. Nice. So oh, maybe that's the key. Play so, it handheld. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I would think the, the, I normally, like I noticed on Civ six, when I play Civ six, it runs significantly better when docked, but yeah. so, but this, and so it might, uh, Rashi might run better when docked, but it still runs seamlessly in, in it's handheld also as well. not half as massive as Civ 6. Right, exactly. It doesn't have quite as much going on. But then there are these really fun puzzles that they throw in too. Like there will be these different parts where you come upon uh, mandala puzzles where you Raji will walk on them and they're covered with dust and the dust will blow away and then it has the circle and different rings inside it and you have to move and put the puzzle together by moving the different oh, rings to make the image. That is nice. But the thing is, it those aren't usually the the mandala puzzles aren't like further explanations into the background of the gods. They're the story bits that tell you Raji and Golu's background. Oh, cool. So you come across the murals and that's where you learn about the gods. And then you come across these and this is where you learn about Raji. So it's very interesting how it works into the, into the storyline. But what's really interesting too, is that, so Durga is the one who gives Raji the, the weapon and pushes her on in this quest and is here to aid her. The main conversation between the two gods is conversation between Durga and Vishnu. And so it's very interesting. And so it's very interesting because Vishnu is of the opinion is like, I don't know about this. Was this the right call? And so, at, you know, she's like, I know you say she's strong, but is she strong enough to face what's coming up? And so as you, as Raji keep beating demons and, and fighting harder and harder enemies, you can hear Vishnu being like, ah, oh, you're right. You're right. She is very powerful. She, she, she does have what it takes to complete this journey. You know, we will, you know, and just see, having this like conversation, it's like, I'm right here. I can hear you, but this is great. You're, you're helping. Thanks. You know, kind of thing is, is like a fun little storytelling way of going about it too, where it's not all done through cutscenes. This is all through while you're, it's done in cutscenes, and you get that background, but you're also getting the supporting story built to you while you're playing and while you're fighting and all this stuff. It's a very, it's a very fun way of, of telling the story. Um, and then there are also, when you come up in certain areas, there will be shrines that as you fight, the shrines will fill up with, with power. And then you can go activate them during the fight to then unleash a super attack, basically, on all these Ooh. different stuff. So the more damage and the faster you do damage, the better, the faster the shrines will fill up. But then even those shrines are then things that you can interact with, such as like running up to jump off to do bigger attacks. So it's like, even if it's there for that purpose of giving you the special attack, you can still use it for other things when you can't use the special attack. So it's just so well thought out and like fleshed out in every sense. And the story has been fantastic. The music. Oh my God is so good too. Obviously, I haven't very, heard any of the music yet, but I cannot wait. Very tra- can't wait. Obviously very traditional in, in, in Indian music, but it's just so good. 
It's in all aspects. So I'm loving getting to hear that too. And just how it pushes you forward in the thing. But here's what I was not expecting about it. And I think the big like, Oh, moment about this that made me love it even more. When I got, again, sorry, slight spoiler here that you do unlock other weapons. When I got the, when I got the bow, and saw that the bow is attached, you know, and these bows and the bow and the intritional trishul are gifts from the gods, obviously, that you get and they're blessing you with their power to use. I was like, wait a minute, what other game have I played where it's a it's a kind of a fighting isometric platformer esque action adventure where you receive blessings from the gods and weapons from the gods to take on in this older game's case other gods but in this game in this case demons do you have any idea part of me wants to say pyre but i don't think that's right god of war the original what god of war oh one two and three God, right i it forgot is, that it used to be that way yes and so i i i got that weapon and i was like oh my god this is giving me such god of war vibes and i love it but here's what's awesome about it as is this what i put on my notes i was like it gives me strong god of war god of war one two and three vibes because unlocking power and receiving like and then you can after a certain amount of time and and finding orbs to then therefore what do they call them favor orbs and those can unlock more abilities for the weapons too and i was like this upgrade system and receiving the weapons for the gods, being able to switch quickly in them and bat- between them in battle is very similar to God of War and feels very God of War, just way less blinding rage. And it's a completely because like, which is what Kratos has like Kratos is just mad and angry. And this is just like a, a story of like trying to save your brother. And so it's interesting how it's like the same styling of a game, I would say, but the tone of it is so totally different. And so, and makes it feel so very fresh and so very original. And that, when that clicked in my head, I was like, oh man, this game was already great. But now that I see these parallels and I'm understanding why I connect to it so well, I was like, well done. Just just well done. It's so good. And so uh, I think I've played probably four ish hours maybe into it so far i think i just got i just defeated when i was playing last night i defeated i think what would be the first like big boss i got through i've gotten through many bosses and things like this but this one i definitely fought like the first boss because now i'm in like a new area that looks totally different than what i've been exploring around before so it's just this incredibly well done game i'm so excited to finish to get into the rest of it and see where the rest of the story goes and how it ends what other weapons and abilities and and demons i'm gonna face it's just if if you like everything, anything, if you like the original God of Wars, but if you, if anything I've said has like, is like pulling you into this at all, like I say, give it a shot. Cause it's, it's so good. And I like, it's paid off so much. I was already sold. I didn't really need any more convincing. Yeah. But this just makes me that much more because what I guess I didn't really have a good grasp of, you know, I watched the trailer obviously. So I figured it would be something along these lines, but I didn't really realize that there would be so much dynamic depth to the combat system mm-hmm. oh it's so, there's so much really looking forward to being able to actually explore that for myself as soon as i finish spirit fair i've committed to finishing this game before i pick up raji so so, so tell me next <laughs> so i think I've, I've pretty much like those were pretty much my thoughts on raji as a whole right now obviously just in loving it and enjoying it having the time of my life playing this game uh so but though i am very curious to know about spirit fair spirit fair spirit- 
So Spiritfarer is such a surprising delight. Um, I are like the minute I saw that trailer in the indie direct, I was like, oh, I'm buying that game. No, no question. I'm absolutely buying that game. I can already tell that I'm the intended audience. (laughs) People like me are the ones that are supposed to play this game. Uh, But I didn't really, you know, I'm not one for critical thinking. (laughs) I don't like to think too much. (laughs) I just see a pretty trailer and I go, yes, I'll play that game. And that's exactly why I got into Spirit Fair. But I also did understand at the outset that it was kind of a resource management game mm-hmm. where you have a set amount of things that you're supposed to, basically chores. There was like going to be a, a chores aspect to it. But it has turned out to be so much more than I could have asked for, uh, you know, like times 10. Uh, and I would say that by now, I've been playing it kind of obsessively. Like it's kind of one of those games where nice. once you get into a groove, you're like, "Oh, I can't stop. I have. I'll just do one more day. I'm just gonna do one more day. Okay, one more day, and then it's five hours later, and you're like, "Oh, I've oh, actually." So it's it's I, like yeah, my it, sieve. So, exactly. <laughs> so it's basically like you look up, and your own day in real life is suddenly gone, and you're like, "Oh no, what did I do?" So I think minimum, I've got at least 15 to 20 hours into the game already. Oh, wow. uh, And I'm not done. <laughs> so I am one to derp around, obviously. I don't really play games quickly. So maybe that's just me. But it certainly is already uh, worth the $25. I believe the game is $24.99. So oh, yeah. definitely well priced. Let me jump back to that. Raji is also in that same. When I bought it, it was still, they were doing like a 10% off because it just been announced kind of thing. It just been announced slash released. Uh, but it's still, I believe it's like $25 normal price. And too. I actually think that that sale that was going on for the Indie Direct actually extends through the end of this month. So the discount on Raji should still be up mm-hmm. by the time you're hearing this on August 25th. Uh, Spirit Fair actually isn't included in that sale. Not sure why, but I also don't care uh, because it's a great game and it's worth the money. So the premise of Spiritfarer, and it's kind of in the name, but in a much more cuddly and pleasant kind of way, uh, you play as uh, main character Stella, and she is newly the new Grim Reaper. So how the game sets this up is actually done really well, and I loved this intro cutscene. Stella and her adorable kitty cat, Daffodil, who is like a big, fluffy Persian kitty who doesn't love that, with like a cute little collar and a bell. Uh, Stella and Daffodil wake up in a gondola, and they are being ferried by Charon. You know, the, the not Lord of the Dead, but the, um, I guess just the ferryman of the dead, you know, mm-hmm. the farrier of souls. Uh, and Charon is horrifying. Uh, he's both horrifying, but also really nice his Mm. design he's like a gigantic billowy cloaked lump with just one glowing black eye in a completely voided out black face and he's got like these long creepy sleeves with like little lace cuffs coming out of them and it's like here i'm getting fancy but so he's actually kind of terrifying to look at i love his design and he has this very deep gravelly voice because I will say that in comparison to Raji, Spiritfarer doesn't have true voice acting. It has the hums and the haws. Mm. And each character does have a voice, but there's no spoken dialogue in terms of the voice acting. It is all done in dialogue bubbles. Uh, with a few very rare exceptions, um, Charon actually does pronounce the words Spiritfarer. 
and I think maybe Everlight, because Charon has been the farrier of the dead for so long that he's just straight up tired of it. He's like, it's my turn to retire. I get to move on to the next stage of my soul's journey. So he's ferrying Stella to a location called the Everdoor. And the Everdoor is gorgeous. So I, I don't really consider this a spoiler because this is intro first five to ten minutes of the game. So the Everdoor is this extremely magical looking land of red, like blood red water, surrounded by these beautiful white blossoming trees against like a weird orange sky. It's really cool. Uh, and the Everdoor is actually a bridge over water. But it's a bridge that is so extreme, its arch forms a perfect semicircle, mm. which when reflected in the red water becomes a full perfect circle. Nice. And that's the Everdoor. I love that imagery of it not being like an actual physical door that you open into the afterlife. It's a different kind of door. It's more like a portal. Uh, and the Everdoor is where souls are ferried to to basically go into the official afterlife because the world that you're in right now is more or less limbo. It's kind of purgatory. It's where souls are going when they're not really sure mm -hmm. where they're going to go next. So Charon basically tells you, hey, I'm retiring. I, you didn't really have a choice in it, but I picked you to be the next spirit fairer. And he gives Stella and Daffodil their own little uh, Everlights. So the Everlight is just this little glowing orb of what appears to be pure light. And he officially gives one to Stella. But then Daffodil leaps into his void cloak and like kind of does some stuff. And he's like, oh, God. Ugh. And Stella comes, not Stella, Daffodil comes out basically playing with her own ball of Everlight. And he's like, fine, you can both have one, whatever. So both Stella and Daffodil get their Everlight. And the Everlight is basically the tool of the Spiritfarer that can become anything that she or he needs. It can become a scythe if you're farming, not for reaping of souls, just for farming. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! it I want to reap souls. It can become a pickaxe. It can be a fishing pole. It can be oven mitts. It can be something as banal as oven mitts. Uh, and the Everlight is really just what you need to not rave souls because that's not really what you're doing but it's your main tool to make your passengers happy because the whole goal of spirit fair is in the title you are quite literally ferrying souls now as as the new spirit fair from this limbo state into the official afterlife uh and setting up the world the world of spirit fair takes place on what appears to be a vast sea so it's just this wide open ocean, really reminiscent of Wind Waker, actually. Like when this place opened up, I was like, that's the Great Sea. This is Wind Waker. I know where we're at. Uh, because this vast sea is peppered with um, not necessarily isolated, but just lonely small islands here and there. There's no like one giant landmass. It's just... Here's an island with one little town. Here's an island with one small city. Here's an island that has nothing on it except some trees and strawberries. So each of these little islands is just kind of its own tiny encapsulated world. And Stella, uh, as the new spirit fair, has both the Everlight and a boat. So thankfully, Charon didn't leave her entirely high and dry. He did plop her onto an island that already had an old dilapidated boat available for her to commandeer and use as her ship to navigate this vast sea. So your ship, I don't think, has a name. 
I'll call it the Dauntless. Why not? Perfect. Uh, but the ship basically sails itself, thankfully. So all you have to do is go into the navigation room, you pull up this massive map system, and you just pick with your cursor which island or which empty space you want to go to next, and the ship will sail itself there. So it does show you in the upper corner, like, hey, this is how far you are en route to your destination. And depending on where you're going, you might be able to actually stop the ship and kind of get off along the way and do some other stuff. Uh, so this sea is populated by not just small islands, but spirits, of course. So your passengers. So the first spirit that you acquire is actually an old friend of yours, as it turns out. So that first island that you're dropped off on uh, does contain one whole soul, and that is your, I, I guess, your previous best friend, uh, Gwen. So you, whenever you encounter a spirit just kind of out and about in the wild, they just look like these faceless, shapeless, cloaked figures. They're really cute. They're not sinister looking, but they're just basically, you know, void people with little pinprick white eyes and just kind of these billowing cloaks around them. But spirits that you can actively interact with and potentially ferry into the afterlife will have a ghostly spirit outline, like a shadow, hovering over them. And that's how you know that they're important. They'll also talk to you way more than the other NPC spirits will. So once you find any given spirit, you take them back to your ship. And once they're on the ship, there's this really cute ceremony that happens where they go from being their blobular selves into what is their true spirit form. Mm -hmm. So Stella is kind of the only person in this world that appears to have a normal human appearance. She has really cute orange hair, beautiful dark skin, a big star-shaped hat, because of course her name is Stella, why wouldn't her hat be shaped like a star? Mm -hmm. And she's like little. She's either really young or she's really short. I can't really decide what age I think she is. I would guess 16, but who knows? I was going to say like from her design, she looked like, I, I thought of her as like a, a late teenager or something like yeah. that, yeah. So, and who knows how old Daffodil is? She could be a thousand. It's true. <laughs> it's just a mystery. Uh, but Gwen comes onto your ship and she is gorgeously designed as a uh, anthropomorphic um, deer. Not necessarily a stag, uh, but like she's this beautiful deer and she's designed in such a way that gives you an immediate impression that she is a rich, fancy lady because her fur kind of comes up around her in like this big kind of lush scarf mm -hmm. and she smokes a long stemmed cigarette like Cruella de Vil. and like her feet are shaped in such a way that her hooves kind of look like high heels and she stands very prim and proper as she smokes her long cigarette and it's just like Gwen you're awesome and she is kind of a snob she's clearly a society girl but she genuinely loves Stella and their friendship was clearly very important to both of them when they were alive the details of any given spirit's death are this thus far never really revealed. Uh, they don't really talk about how they died. It's more like, hey, I'm dead. That's just, that's just how it is. You're dead. I'm dead. Nobody knows how it happened. They could have died of old age for all I know. Mm. Uh, but the point is, they're all dead. And you have to bring them onto your ship. They acquire their true spirit forms. And then you set sail. And you are helping these spirits reach the afterlife by helping them resolve any lingering issues that are preventing their spirit from moving on. So that could be that you have a lot of guilt from when you were alive. Maybe you did something that you're really ashamed of and you're trying to come to terms with that guilt so that you can move on. Maybe it's just that you really miss your family. 
and your family's still alive, but you're dead. And you're coming to terms with the fact that you're never going to see them again. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, when they get to the afterlife, but maybe it's just that you have really strong attachment to your still living relatives. So the individual motivations of all the spirits could be anything, really. And they all have very unique stories. Uh, it does appear, based on the crafting system, that there's a finite amount of spirits. So this isn't the kind of game that you play, you know, infinitely. Mm-hmm. It seems to have a clear end that's going to happen eventually. And I would guess that I'm about three-fourths of the way, three-fourths of the way to that end, I think. But you can basically take as much time as you want with these spirits. You know, each of them just kind of comes and tells you like, hey, I think I should do this next thing. And you're like, cool, we'll get to it when we get to it. And then you can either progress that person's individual storyline, or you can do somebody else's, or you can do none of the above and just craft as much as you want and have that be your entire gameplay experience. Hmm. But you do need souls to kind of cycle through your ship because they give you money. They give you a very valuable, because of course the myth regarding uh, Charon is that souls physical bodies would be buried by the Greeks with two coins over right, their eyes. Right, that's what I was going to say, like that, yeah. the coins are what they would use to pay the ferryman. So each of the spirits, when they get onto your ship, they pay you one coin. It's called an obol, an O-B-O-L. Uh, so they just give you one, and those obols are what you use to basically redeem at shrines throughout the Great Sea that give Stella more powers. So you can get the ability to glide using your hat. You can get a super jump. You can get the ability to bounce and get an even bigger jump. So her powers aren't really, like, bombastic. They just help you navigate the world. Mm -hmm. So, speaking of the world, you navigate islands primarily to get spirits, of course, but also to get materials. Because this is a resource management game, and obviously the crafting system is the primary function of the game. So, of course, there's the relationship management aspect of managing your passengers emotionally, but also you have to meet their very real needs of they need to be housed, they need to be fed. So, with your ship, you have a ton of upgrade options available. So, you can both make the ship physically bigger, thereby giving it more space to house more passengers, but you can also upgrade your blueprint table which is your crafting center. So your blueprint table allows you to build a guest house on your ship, build a chicken coop, a field, a garden, orchards, and of course, anything else that you may need to create bigger and better crafting materials to make bigger and better structures. So the whole game is really built on this progressive system of, okay, now you've got this base, here's the next thing. Now you've got that, here's the next thing. And that is really well balanced by which areas of the map are available to you at any given time. Because when you just have your base ship, there's only so much of the map that you can explore and the rest is blacked out in shadow Mm -hmm. because your ship doesn't have an icebreaker on the front, so you can't break through the ice to get to the Arctic waters. Your ship doesn't have a lantern on the front, so you can't make it through the fog to get to the fog area. You need a rock breaker to blast your way through rocks to get to the next area. So there are natural uh, barriers built in to make sure that you kind of finish each given area to be able to then move on to the next one. So it's not a free, you know, do whatever you want kind of game. There's really a certain number of tasks that you really need to get done in any given area to move on to the next one. Nice. So 
the crafting materials are so reminiscent of Stardew Valley. You know, this really is kind of, I, I really hesitate to call it a Nuevo Stardew Valley because it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really its own thing. But it will be very similar to people who have played Stardew. Because, for example, a couple of the first things that you get as new structures on your ship are a field and a garden. And in the field and garden, you plant seeds. So in the field, you can plant linen seeds. I think it's called flax. You can plant flax. You can plant lettuce. You can plant leeks. Why not? Leeks go in the garden. Never mind. You can plant (laughs) flax, tea, and coffee. How about that? Yeah. You plant those in the field, and then in the garden, you can plant root vegetables, things like carrots, corn, turnips, etc. So those go hand in hand with your ship's kitchen. So who doesn't love in-game cooking? I personally love it. It's a fun fun thing. As evidenced by Breath of the Wild, I love in-game cooking. So from the field and garden, you get ingredients to then take to your kitchen to cook real meals. So for example, when you cook corn, you get steamed vegetables. And those are then dishes that you use to literally feed the passengers on your ship. That same principle applies to every other structure that you can build. If you grow an orchard, you can use those apples to make apple pie. Hell yes. Uh, And so on and so forth. There's also a heavy mining aspect. You need a foundry. You need to be able to smelt ores, etc. Wow, there's Uh, a lot. There's a lot going on in terms of the crafting. You eventually get a sawmill so that you can refine logs into planks and build more structures, blah, blah, blah. There's a ton of different crafting aspects that you get through a variety of means throughout the game. So all this to say that there's a very in-depth crafting system, but the real focus of the game is, of course, your passengers, the Mm -hmm. people on your ship. Now, I'm planning to go much more into this in our full review, because it is really spoiler territory. But the individual soul journey of each of your passengers is really the heart of the game. Because as you're completing these tasks for each of your passengers, you get to know them better. Something that I love is a key function of the game is the ability and the requirement to hug your passengers. So at any given time, you can, because basically when you talk to a character, you get like a little, uh, like a little decision wheel of what you want to do with them. Do you want to give them something? Do you want to feed them? Do you just want to talk to them? Do you want to hug them? Or do you want to check their stats? Because they do each have individual happiness stats to gauge where they're at. Because if a passenger is unhappy, they're probably not going to progress their story. I don't actually know what happens if they're unhappy because none of my passengers have been unhappy. Of course not. You really have to actively neglect them for them to become unhappy. And and I wondered, yeah, what, what happens if one does reach like the, the maximum unhappiness level? It's not like they can go back to life, but like, do they just stay on the boat? Can you not get them off the boat until they're happy or like, I, I, I think that that's the case because I, that's really the only thing that could happen is Mm -hmm. that they just are unhappy and they stay on your boat indefinitely, which could potentially become a problem if you're trying to gain enough new space to be able to get more passengers. Uh, But so far that hasn't been an issue for me. It's really pretty easy and pretty intuitive to keep your passengers happy. But really kind of once a new passenger gets on your ship, the first thing you are supposed to do you are supposed to do is hug them. And I love that function. So what I love on top of that is that not every passenger wants a hug all the time. And if a passenger doesn't want a hug, they will just straight up tell you, 
no thanks, I don't want to hug right now. And I just love that that little bit of consent was like built into the game mm-hmm. because it just it just reinforces to real life people that hey you should ask somebody before you just give them a big old bear hug because right. sometimes they don't always want one so a plus for that so you can hug characters you can feed them and then of course you talk to them and uncover their background so we'll use gwen kind of as our standard because she's more or less the tutorial passenger she's the first one you get she's the first one that you're supposed to ferry into the afterlife So Gwen's background is not exactly tragic. You don't really know what happened in her life completely, but you gather that she was raised in wealth. You can tell that she's accustomed to a certain amount of uh, extravagance because one of the islands in the afterlife is actually modeled after her childhood villa. So there's this huge mansion, this villa that you can go to, in limbo that Gwen says is her house, her childhood villa. So it's interesting how certain places in this limbo area actually mirror what you think was real in real life. Because even though Gwen looks like a deer now, it is implied that she was just a regular human before she died. So this isn't some sort of entirely different world separate from our own. These people just used to be regular people and then they died and limbo is its own separate world. Mm-hmm. But it has these pieces from each soul's past that anchor them in limbo and help them come to terms with whatever inner turmoil they have. So you gather through Gwen's conversations that her relationship with her father was really strained. Her childhood wasn't always that great. She probably felt lonely a lot of the time. And you can kind of gather that Stella was one of her few good influences and one of her few really strong friendships. So they have a really powerful friendship and the fact that you as Stella have to be in charge and ferry your own best friend's soul into the afterlife is kind of heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And it is pretty heartbreaking when you have to eventually take Gwen to the Everdoor. Uh, She's the first one that you send through the Everdoor. And this is where I think, you know, a certain facet of the game is just really beautiful. Again, slight spoiler, so don't listen to this if you don't want to. But when you fairy souls it through the Everdoor, they don't just disappear. They become starlight. They become oh. a constellation in the sky. That's really which cool. I think is so beautiful. So actually, the first time I saw a constellation in the sky, I was like, what the hell is that? Because it was Charon. And I didn't think, like, it didn't show him getting one, I don't think. Or maybe I just wasn't paying attention. But I was uh-huh. like, oh, why is there only one constellation? It's Charon. Oh. And then when you fairy Gwen through the door, you actually watch her become a constellation. And how beautiful is that? Mm-hmm. So like a, a peaceful way to say goodbye a peaceful way to say goodbye now there does appear to be at least a hint at this point for me that stella might have some inner turmoil of her own but she is a silent protagonist stella doesn't really talk you just talk to other people and they more or less talk at you you don't really talk back to them so it's unknown to me right now kind of where that inner turmoil is going to go but Mm -hmm. it's a part of the mystery that i'm really excited to uncover so all of this to say, Everlight, I think, as of today when I checked, has a 10 out of 10 rating out Spirit of like over 900 reviews. That is such a fair assessment. My one gripe with the game, and this is pretty minor, is that at a certain point in any given area that you've cur- currently unlocked, mm-hmm. I kind of find myself floundering. Like I kind of have this moment of, 
what exactly should I be doing next? I feel like I'm kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. And it's usually just a matter of getting more materials to be able to build more stuff. But there are just these periods that I kind of get into kind of on an almost rhythmic basis of find a new area, awesome, hecka exploration, loving it. Explore that entire area and then kind of get into this lull of being like, okay, now I'm a little bored. Uh, I want to I want to really get into the next area. Mm-hmm. But once you do get into that next area, so much exploration. Huzzah, we're back at it again. So it goes through these periods of feeling very fast paced to a little bit more of a lull mm-hmm. to very fast paced again. So that might just be the natural rhythm of the game, or maybe I'm playing it wrong. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) It could be anything. Uh, But I really can't recommend Spiritfarer enough. What other games did I play this year? Not including Control. (laughs) I mean, at this point, it's probably one of the best games, possibly the best game that I've played this year. Oh, wow. Um, Control is really the only other contender that I can think of off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'll reassess that later, but... It is already just an incredible game. Nice. And I can already tell that I'm going to want to play it again after I'm done with it, because I can now see that there are things that I missed about certain characters. I didn't find out what their favorite food is, for example. So I have to go back and actually really like flesh those out, get that completionist strategy right, going. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, Spirit Fair is a 10 out of 10 game for sure. On a bad day, a nine out of ten. So everyone should play it. <laughs> so great and all the way around. Great all the way around. Oh, I didn't mention this before. Spiritfarer is from Thunder Lotus Games. Uh, their previous two games were s- not severed. Sundered. Not s- sundered. Right? Yeah. That's what you told me before. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Are sundered, which was like a Eldritch-based um, 2D castle, not Castlevania, 2D Metroidvania game, and Jotun, or Jotun, which I think got really good reception. Uh, Jotun came out in 2015, I think, and then uh, Sundered came out in 2017. So Thunder Lotus has a pretty good schedule of releasing games on a fairly regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, playing Spiritfarer makes me want to play their other games. Nice, because that's now always I'm great. What else could they possibly be making out there? Mm-hmm. And then just a final shout out, the game's soundtrack is incredible. Uh, Everything about it is wonderful. Some of the daily soundtracks, like just derping around on your boat, are really minimalist, not a ton happening. But there are many different tracks that play during special events that are awesome. Nice. Uh, And the composer is Max LL. And Max LL has been a longtime collaborator of Thunder Lotus Games. I'm reading this part from GamingAudioNews.com. And he scored the previous music for Jotun and Sundered. So he's well well familiar uh, with what Thunder Lotus wants. So the soundtrack is also a 10 out of 10. Absolutely would recommend overall. I love that when when, uh, studios have like their you know, because a lot of times with a lot of games, it can move around from composer to composer. But I love when there are studios that have like their set composer who does all like Supergiant comes to mind. Yeah. Darren Korb, you know, he Absolutely. does the music for all of their games. And they always you just know you're going to get a soundtrack that perfectly matches. And it's it's just yeah. a, it's always fun to see when that happens. It's incredible. So uh, Max LL, good job. Great soundtrack. Love it. Very nice. uh, and everyone should play Spiritfarer. I do want to go ahead since you're talking about the composer. I do. I forgot to give a shout out to the composer since I mentioned the music for Raji as well, but that was Linus Teslos, who was the composer for Raji an ancient epic. But um, I know, right? That's fun. It's a fun one, but I think these games are so great 
in so far what we've played them. But what I think, as I've heard both of these games, you know, my thoughts and then you heard your thoughts in Spirit Fair, I think the thing that makes these games stand out so much to both of us is that they've taken these concepts and these themes that are normally told in so much darker ways. And has really I've turned it on its head. Like you normally don't interact with the river sticks in video games unless you're playing like Dante's Inferno or God of War even. And then with Raji and ancient epic, you, but you know, it pulls very strongly or it has those very strong God of War vibes for me. God of War is a very angry game, a very violent game and not saying like Raji obviously has violence in the sense that you're fighting these demons, but it's, the the theme and the driving force behind Kratos and behind Raji are completely different, and it just really sets these two normally darker-toned games into a much lighter way that I think yeah. is very attractive. And that's I, I definitely agree. And I love that, you know, games are so much more willing nowadays to branch out into these more soft emotional areas, especially in the case of Spirit Fair. Because, you know, I feel like back in my day, games of yore, it was really just, you know, punch, slash, mm-hmm. shoot, mm-hmm. violence is king. And now it's like, yeah, let's let's reassess that. I think that I think that we actually have a lot more to explore here in the world of video games. And I love seeing more of these stories come out. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Awesome. Well, those are our first impressions for both Spirit Spiritfarer and Raji and the Ancient Epic. Have you played any of those games or are on the fence about which ones to get? Actually, I know there are a lot of people we've been kind of having in our Discord this fun, like uh, several people who are there who are like, which one should I get? And I'm just like, hey, okay, several people have already jumped on the Spirit Spiritfarer train. I need people to jump onto the Raji train with me because... It's a I- boat. <laughs> it's a boat. <laughs> Sorry, the Spiritfarer boat. <laughs> and I need people to jump on the Raji boat with me. So, uh, but both these games are great. Obviously, we want to know what you think about these games as well so send us a message at teamchatpodcast.gmail.com find us on social media message us there join our discord talk about us with these great games there with us too we would love to hear from you but before we go we do have to do our soundtrack spotlight which it was a hard contest to decide between these two games which ones we wanted to do to feature for their soundtrack spotlights we will feature the music from the other in the future but for this episode we are going to feature the music from raji and ancient epic by linus teslas which is lament is the track that we'll be doing so this is a incredibly well done score really blending in the themes and the culture of india and really capturing that in its music and i think it just it's just sounds fantastic when matched with the beauty of this game itself so listen to that after the close of the episode which is pretty much now well until next time everybody i'm one of your hosts Jarrett wilson joined by rachel mogan peace out we'll see you all next time stick around for the song <laughs>